Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode 97, The Mystery of Dinosaurs. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell here with John Potts. And we are the show that tells you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. One of those subjects a lot of people ask me about, John, is dinosaurs. Oh yeah, this is a good one. What about the dinosaurs, you know? And uh, so we get, uh, I've gotten more than one, um, you know, letter, email, whatever, asking about this thing. You know, it's a lot we don't know, so we can only glean what we can try to glean from the mm-hmm. scriptures. But the scriptures doesn't say a whole lot about dinosaurs specifically. It doesn't even mention the word because it, you know, yeah. it was a newly created word when they first began to discover the fossils. So we are going to have to spend a little bit of time educating ourselves on what the fossil record says. So we're going to be discussing okay. a few terms that uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was fascinated with dinosaurs. Were you like one of those, would you grow up as a boy thinking about bones? I mean, and what, what young boy is not, <laughs> right? I mean, giant lizards and all kinds of stuff. I remember having little plastic <laughs> Tyrannosaurus and a Triceratops and we would make yeah. them fight, you know. <laughs> well, um, the one thing I can do is we're going to go to the scriptures as much as we can, but I'm going to start in the book of Ecclesiastes okay? because there's a passage that I think it hinges upon so much of understanding of scripture that I think it bears repeating. It's in chapter one, and you've heard me refer to this in multiple episodes, but it certainly bears repeating again. And it starts in verse nine. So Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse nine says, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come thereafter. So that's pretty pretty poignant thought there. And what I glean from this is that which has been is that which shall be. That stands out to me, John, because it's not to say that there's going to be dinosaurs in the future, although that's certainly possible. But we know, according to the science and the fossil records, uh, the science that deals with the study of, uh, of um, uh, these things, and I think it's paleontology, if I'm not mistaken, that they lived millions and millions of years ago. Now, this, of course, flies in the face of young Earth creationists yes. who think that the Earth was actually created uh, a few days before man, mm-hmm. you know. 
And I don't believe that's what the scripture tells us. So we're going to have to delve into that a little bit. But what I really think stands out about that which hath been is that which shall be is more to do with establishing patterns of the behavior of fallen angels. Okay. So we're going to get into that. So that's going to be sort of the premise upon which I'm going to present to my listeners here my theory about the mystery of the dinosaurs. Okay, great. Okay. So let's start with digging into the eras of the earth because I'm not going to tell you that I believe this is accurate, but it's what science teaches. Any you can pick up any book on paleontology or dinosaurs or whatever, mm-hmm. geology. And it essentially breaks the Earth's eras up into three basic eras, the Paleozoic, the Mesozoic, and the Cenozoic. Mm-hmm. And the Cenozoic would be the present age, the current age. The Paleozoic is the oldest beginning, you know, when the primordial soup, yeah. you know, supposedly yeah. started everything, if you believe in evolution, which I don't. <laughs> and then the Middle Age is the Mesozoic, and that's what meso means. It literally means middle. So these eras are divided into subdivisions of periods. And this is where terms might become a little bit more familiar to some listeners Mm -hmm. because you've got terms like Triassic, Jurassic, probably made popular by the movies, Jurassic Park series, Um, the Cretaceous period, the Tertiary period, and the Quaternary period. Those other periods don't sound as familiar probably because of the movie. But, you know, the irony is that all of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are actually from the Cretaceous period, not the Jurassic period. So they Mm -hmm. screwed that science up right off the bat. (laughs) But it makes for a better movie if if they're all on the same ranch together, even though they're millions of years apart. Exactly. (laughs) Millions of years of subspecies apart, you know. And then the funniest thing to me was that one of the biggest threats in the park was the raptors. The mm-hmm. velociraptors, yeah. which, according to the fossil record, they were about three feet long. Yeah. But these things are like nine feet tall. And, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, three feet long, you hit them with a baseball bat or something. You know, like, nine feet. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, just keep in mind that don't get your history or your lessons about paleontology from the movies. Go, go find a good science book. And again, even that, take it with a grain of salt. So uh, if you walk through the age of the dinosaurs, you know, you, you've got um, all these animals that mostly lived, at least the ones that we see in, in like Jurassic Park, mostly lived in the Cretaceous period. But the Triassic period were essentially, according to the fossil record, the very smallest mm-hmm. uh, dinosaurs. For some reason, they grew infinitely bigger. Uh, is starting in the Jurassic period. And by the time we get to the Cretaceous period, they were as large as, I think, one of the largest dinosaurs. When I was a kid, it was called Brontosaurus. Yeah. Remember that yeah. name? I think they decided they had the wrong bones put together and they later named it Apatosaurus. Okay. I've same thing, that, same yeah. animal. And I think maybe they figured out it was even bigger than they thought. But uh, bottom line is, you know, they're always, it's, a, it's not a perfect science. They're always discovering new things. But <clears throat> the question would remain that if the fossil record is to be understood for what we see it to be, then there's a record of death and destruction. You know, mm-hmm. predators like a Tyrannosaur or an Allosaur eating the, the so-called plant-eating um, animals like the hadrosaurs and the apatosaurus and the triceratops. So that would mean uh, predatory animals were roaming the earth millions of years ago. Yeah. And that would seem out of character of God 
when uh, death came into the human race through the sin of Adam and Eve. Yeah. So if we're looking at patterns, we're going to follow the patterns that we do know in the recorded history of the Bible, and we're going to try to apply them to the history that's not recorded to see if we can come up with some conclusions. Okay. So first of all, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, because we have to correct the record of the young earth creationists that believe in this Version. I'm not trying to put words in their mouth. They, they are very learned brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, they are scientists themselves. They have every right to their opinions. And I just happen to disagree with one interpretation that they make, and that is this. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There's a period at the end of that sentence. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, that is creation. Short on details. But it sums up the whole thing. doesn't yeah. say when he did it, how long ago it was, or the details of how he did it. It just says that he did. Verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and uh, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, the, the prevailing creation theory of the young earth believers is... In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and here is how he did it. Yeah, He started with a formless, shapeless mass, and then they go from there, and six days later, he makes man. Okay. And that effectively was about 6,000 years ago. So they, hence the term young earth creationist. And when you inquire with them as to why the fossil record is ancient compared to the 6,000 years, their response is, God created the earth with the appearance of age. That seems strange to me. Yeah, that's a uh, that's taken a, a big leap. That's hugely hypothetical, right? You're just I, making something up there. I agree. I'm not and saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's if it's, if it's, it's true, it poses dark. a lot of questions. Yeah. You know, if age is a result of death and decay, and yeah. or the the thermodynamic the thermodynamic law of entropy which basically says matter is always getting going from a state of organized to less organized, you know? Yeah. So in effect, we're, our but cells are, we're getting older and we're dying. The argument is that the earth was created to appear as though it was aged already. Yes. It would make more sense to me and I'm wrong on a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> that God created the earth and that it was around for millions of years prior to him making or creating man, right? So I agree. there, there was, and we even when you look at this, the earth was without form and void, right? Meaning that didn't, am I right? Right here, it didn't have a shape when it says it was void, without form and void. Yeah, and there's darkness and there's water. And there's In water. fact, my upcoming book, The World That Was, is going to go into great detail about this water and the darkness. Yeah, and uh, and why it was covered with water. Right? Exactly, and so without. Going into 15 episodes yeah. of Bible Mysteries podcast to cover that. <laughs> Let me just summarize it by saying that in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18, we read a passage that Genesis 1 verse 2 has to reconcile itself with because the word of God cannot be broken. And that is in 45, 18, we read, For thus saith the Lord God that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. I've spoken in secret. Uh, I've not spoken in secret uh, in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. 
I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. So God has a purpose to everything he does. Nothing is by accident. He would not have needed to start with a formless, shapeless mass of darkness and water Wow! Okay. to begin the earth. It says he created it to be inhabited. So from the very beginning, his intention was that it be inhabited. And when we read in the book of Job about when we talked about the angels in the last three episodes and they sang and shouted for joy at the foundation of the earth, yeah, yeah. you see a specific systematic construction endeavor taking place. There's a cornerstone, there's foundations, there's the line stretched upon it. Mm -hmm. Everything about it looks like it's in an organized fashion. There's no organization in Genesis 1 verse 2. It's without form and void. Yeah. Yeah, and that very Hebrew phrase we're going to look into in a moment. But that ties into one of the passages here in verse 18 when he said he created it not in vain. So when we come to Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, we see the, the phrase, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And that word, vo without form and void, is the Hebrew uh, phrase, tohu va-bohu. And it's translated without form and void. Okay. And bohu itself, or tohu, I forget which one, means vain. Well, how could God create something not in vain and start with something vain? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That would be so, hypocritical, you know. So we're told by science that the untold ages, the Paleozoic, Mesozoic period, occurred in the Bible, you know, or rather occurred in, in nature. And I would argue that that time occurred between Genesis verse 1 and verse 2. Okay. So we don't know how many millennia, how many millions or billions of years ago God laid the foundation of the earth. How many millions of years the angels uh, dwelt on this planet and other mm -hmm. planets for that matter uh, yeah. before we see the earth in the shape of being without form and void. And that very phrase, without getting into a detailed thing about the form and void, is translated two other times in the King James Bible. Once in Jeremiah and once, I believe, in the book of Isaiah. And in both instances... It's involved in divine wrath. Okay. One is the destruction of Edom and basically the creation of um, the lake of fire, Idumea. And the other is God's wrath being poured out upon Israel in the end times. Mm -hmm. So why would this be any different? Why would he take the same phrase associated with divine judgment and take and remove divine judgment from Genesis 1 verse 2, but apply it in the other two places? You mm -hmm. know, that would seem out of the character of God, especially given that he operates in threes so frequently. You know, you think about three in the Bible. Yeah. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you and I are a triune being body, soul, and spirit, mm -hmm. and on and on we can go, you know, about um, threes. So <clears throat> I would argue that God's a mathematician too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he knows Absolutely. how to count. And so let's look at that passage I mentioned in Job 38 about the angels. And here's another thing we can glean. We talked about this in our study on angels, but we didn't focus on this other than the brilliant analogy you gave about the treehouse. Uh, uh, and we're going to come back to that because it applies to this very thought here in Job 38. And notice in verse 4, God is asking Job these questions out of the whirlwind. And he says, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
was he laying the foundations because there was a formless, shapeless mass? Or was he building something with a specific intent to be inhabited, to be not in vain, yeah. you know? Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who laid the foundation? Who laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? See the systematic building process. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now you pointed out, John, that if a dad built his uh, treehouse in the backyard. For the neighbor kids, the his own children yeah, would be real happy. Shout for joy, <laughs> right? So I would argue, and I think you're right, that the angels were rejoicing over the fact that God was making them a place to dwell. Yeah. Well, in the previous passage, it said that He intended it for it to be inhabited. That's right. right. So he created creation, intended it for to be inhabited, and here we have the angels rejoicing over the fact or shouting for joy because obviously He's making something very cool for them. Yes. Right. Would you say that this is pre the first flood or post the first flood? This is before the first flood of Genesis 1 verse 2, I would argue. Okay. He's making the earth. There's, there would have been no need for a flood because he used his flood in a divine judgment with Noah. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't Genesis 1 2 have been a divine judgment too? You know? yeah. The third judgment that comes is fire, not water, because he made a promise. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll we'll still see that water was used for uh, the purpose of cleansing. So if the earth was created, and it was created at that time for the angels, mm-hmm. and if the dinosaurs were created at that same time, right? Well, Am that's I what we're going to get to. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to. Were the dinosaurs created at the time when the earth was made yeah. for the angels to inhabit? And I'm going to suggest that maybe there's a twist to that. Okay. Because your first instinct would be, yeah, if, if he made, if there were... If the fossil record says there were animals that lived on this planet millions of years ago, and plants too, mm-hmm. okay. Interestingly, a lot of those plants exist in the same form today, like conifers, pine yeah. trees, whatever. You know, they're they're not much changed. Mm-hmm. You know, but this thing about evolution, this it starts to erode that whole uh, theory. Um, but if God did make these animals, then there's only one of two possibilities: either they didn't eat meat. Yeah. Because there would have been death and destruction, and why would that have been part of God's original creation, you know? Or, uh, and, and if they didn't eat meat, you know, what would have been the need for fangs and claws and defense mechanisms like the Triceratops horns and yeah. Ankylosaurus's club-like tail or whatever it was called? Uh, or he didn't make them that way at all, and maybe they're the genetically corrupted creation that Satan and his angels spent millions of years messing with. So that would make the best sense, to right? To me. I mean... To me. So that's the theory I'm going to posit here to our listeners. So here's how we know. Here's what we know what happened. Angels sang, God was building them a home. Not to the exclusion of any other planet possibly being inhabited by angels, but the earth seems to be something that he made as like his crowning jewel, mm-hmm. as the most wonderful place that... They could sing and shout over. Yeah. And therefore they occupied it. And evidently there was a king over these angels whose name was the king of Tyrus. So let's go to Ezekiel 28. And we're trying to paint the picture of what caused the earth to be without form and void and the cataclysmic destruction of, of a planet that existed that might explain the 
demise of the dinosaurs. Ezekiel 28, verse 11, we read, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. <clears throat> thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, and he lists them there. Uh, and ver the last part of the verse, And in the day that thou wast created... So this king is a created being, and he's a cherub, verse 14. Mm -hmm. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. God made him this way. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, which is Zion. Yeah. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Now, most of us will argue and agree that uh, this is Lucifer. Yeah. He was the anointed cherub. He was yeah. an angelic being that decided he wanted to be more. He would match the Lucifer of Isaiah 14, 12. I will rise above. I will be like the Most High. Mm -hmm. Pride entered in. He wanted to take over. And I think that began the insurrection, and a group of rebellious angels, one-third, joined him uh, in that rebellion. There's a whole episode we're going to have to do on why they would do that. You know, Why would these angels that witnessed God lay the foundation and knew he was the creator joined the creature in rebellion. Yeah. But he somehow convinced them to join him. And he says in verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. Ever wonder why Paul said the love of money is the root of all evil. And here we have the word merchandise. You know, <clears throat> he wanted the wealth that God had. Thou sin, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering chair, from the midst of the stones of fire. We're starting to get a picture of some form of an angelic civilization that was on this planet that predates man by untold ages. Yeah. You know. And who knows what technology they had, what buildings they had, what civilization uh, things they had. Um, he says in verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness, and hence the word Lucifer, brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And it could have been angelic kings, that other kings yeah. that saw this. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. Well, there were sanctuaries on the earth at the time when the anointed cherub was a king, Right. I suspect he may have been something like a type of a high priest, especially when you look at his precious stones as a covering. Yeah. You know, when God he, made the ephod for the high priest, his breastplate was covered in these stones. And then he says, uh, by the iniquity of thy traffic, commerce, traffic, mm -hmm. therefore will I bring forth the fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. That appears to be a future tense. Yeah. The yeah. end of the, the devil. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt there be any more. So he's currently a terror. He will soon be no more. So I think we can glean from this that whatever Lucifer did in his rebellion could have accounted for millennia of war, uh, warring factions of angels fighting against each other, interplanetary warfare mm -hmm. for all we know. And the complete corruption and destruction of the heavens and the earth that God created to be not in vain and to be inhabited. Mm -hmm. And since we know, and we'll read about this later, 
that the angels came down and corrupted the genetic bloodline of man and animals in Genesis 6. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't that be something they did many times before? Same old playbook. Same playbook. Yeah. Just a different creature this time hmm. because of the prophecy of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So uh, I mentioned Isaiah 14. Uh, I'll just read the statement in verse 12. That was perfect in thy ways from the day was that was created till iniquity was found in thee. And uh, that's what we read in Ezekiel 28. But in Isaiah 14, uh, the reference to Lucifer is there. And by the way, only in a King James Bible. The word Lucifer does not occur in any other Bible version. Really? I had no yeah. idea about that. Yeah. I, oddly enough, uh, it's verse 12, um, Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Does your Bible say morning star? Oh, I'm sorry. I went to Revelation. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, put, I changed the screen on you. I meant to put Isaiah 14 up, and I jumped ahead. <laughs> Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, take a moment. I'll read it while you're looking just because I'm curious about that one wording. I was right there, too. Yeah, and I, I threw you off, John. It was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. By the way, that tells me there were nations on the earth before man. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And his ultimate end will be the lake of fire. Wow. What does your verse 12 say? So verse 12, and this is the uh, English Standard, English version. Standard yeah. version. Yeah. How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How you are cut down to the ground, you are laid the nations low. Wow. So O day star, and it's interesting that in the Bible, Jesus Christ is referred to as the day spring and the morning star. Hmm. So it's it's a little confusing yeah. to me that a Bible versions many many of them do this. Uh, they try to almost imply that this being is the same title as one of Jesus. What did title. the King James say again? Calls him Lucifer, son wow. of the morning. Yeah, son of the morning. We, and, we we may have to do a podcast about the different versions of the Bibles. Oh yeah. People ask me about that a lot, and it's such a large. Uh, yeah. Um, bunch of, of uh, manuscript evidence we have to go through but we can do it we can do mm -hmm. it it would just probably be like a five part well a lot of <laughs> a lot of non-believers especially mm -hmm. use um, oh the Bible's been translated yeah. so many times right they use that as one of their excuses so sure. um, I think it's a, a great way to you know for people to inform themselves so they can I don't want to say debunk that argument or be it, at least be prepared to talk to it. Exactly. Right? You know. Yeah, it, it's good. Manuscript evidence is is a very technically difficult subject, but uh, I've studied it in depth over over the years and came to the conclusion that for me in English, the King James Bible is the word of God that I believe you can rely on is accurate. Uh huh. There, w without getting into a, a a long thing, it's essentially a tale of two cities where the manuscript line of evidence came down, one a corrupt line and one a pure line. And the two cities are Alexandria, Egypt, and uh, Byzantia um, of um, Turkey. And it's Byzantia that is the, the good line, wow. and Egypt that's the bad line. Well, who's behind all that? Satan. <laughs> 
Satan. <laughs> so um, we mentioned before, but it's bears repeating again. In Revelation 12, we see in verse 7 that there's war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. That's just to show that he had angels. Mm -hmm. So we know then that, and in fact, it's a third of them, according to uh, earlier in the same passage, a third of the stars of heaven uh, in verse 4, I believe. Um, verse uh, 4, yeah. So it mm -hmm. appears that a third of all the angels that God created joined Lucifer in the rebellion, or the dragon. He is the dragon, the mm -hmm. serpent. So... Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. When we take that from the Bible, we, we glean this, that God created the heaven and the earth in the beginning. doesn't matter how long ago he did it. Uh, when he did it, it was perfect. It was inhabited by angels. There were nations, kings, civilizations, commerce, mm -hmm. merchandise, trade, uh, peace. And there would have been no reason for me to believe that angels were wicked, sinful beings like man became when we rebelled against God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's every reason to believe that once Lucifer decided he wanted to be God and he mounted an insurrection against the Lord with a third of the angels, that a war began. And the history of the fossil record is, or the record itself is replete with the evidence of death and destruction. Wouldn't it make more sense that death and destruction came about as a result of this rebellion and not mm -hmm. God's natural creation order? Yeah, I'm going to make a bunch of animals to eat each other and attack and kill and shred and mm -hmm. destroy. Um, <clears throat> the planets of our solar system show evidence of chaos and waste, craters, asteroids, yeah. uh, you know, which looks like, the, although NASA denies it, uh, uh, the destruction of a planet. And by the way, um, I, I keep plugging uh, um, my uh, interview with Timothy Alberino coming up here with his, over his book, Birthright. But he posits that there was a planet between Mars and Jupiter in the past that was destroyed in this battle of angels. Wow. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, and I may have to reread it, uh, I think he believes it's named in the Bible. And I'll, I'll save the name for... 
So you got to keep plugging him because then he can't possibly back out on coming to the podcast. All right, at this point, he can't. He's going to have to do it. So the question we have to ask then, is there a connection between the destruction and the solar system that we can witness with our telescopes and our probes and uh, uh, what do they call these things when they send them out? Mars, uh, uh, rovers, Mm -hmm. that's what it is, a rover and things like that. And the destruction on Earth in the fossil record. You know, aren't they coinciding with the same time frame, you know? And all of this would seem to hinge around the serpent seed prophecy. So let's go back to Genesis 3. Because that, to me, is the pivotal passage of Scripture that lets us apply the the concept of there's nothing new under the sun. That which shall be has been already. Mm -hmm. Okay? So fast-forwarding to when God does make man later on in the current period, and then man rebels against the Lord and he sins in the garden. Mm-hmm. Once they discovered that they were naked, they clothed themselves. And God walks through the garden and says, who told you you were naked? Yeah. And the next thing you know, they're giving an account of what they did. So first thing he says to Adam, what have you done? And he blames Eve. The woman you made me. Well, it was her fault, right? It was her fault, right? <laughs> and then he even acknowledges his own guilt after he realizes he wasn't going to get anywhere with that. And then when he says to the woman, what have you done? She says, the serpent beguiled uh-huh. me. So the buck stops with the serpent. Here. Uh-huh. So in Genesis chapter 3, we read in verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, deceived her, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, which ostensibly you think is Eve, but it's not, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the great serpent seed passage. Now, we have to consider a couple of things. Thy seed, the seed of the serpent, is the serpent going to have a child? Well, eventually, yeah, it'd right. be the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Correct? Now, think about the word seed. And when you think of seed from a human biological standpoint, it's the male. Yes. The male passes seed to fertilize the egg of the female. Yeah. And that's how a child is born. How does a woman have a seed? The seed, thy seed and her seed. Well, a woman doesn't have seed. She has an egg. Yeah. Right? Or eggs. So... It's a prophecy of the virgin birth. God overshadowed Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost and brought forth a man-child without the seed of a man. Wow, I never thought of that before. Yeah, there was no interaction between Mary and Joseph prior to Christ being born. Mm -hmm. So it's a picture of the immaculate conception, if you will. And the fact that, like I said, uh, the serpent would bring forth a seed. So then the devil or the serpent at this point knows that when God predicts something, it's going to come to pass. And that there's going to be a seed of the woman, which ultimately is going to be Israel, Mm -hmm. who brought forth Christ. Uh, And then um, Christ would be that which bruised his head. So he decides, okay, I'll try to prevent this prophecy from ever being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. He's that arrogant. Yeah. He thinks he can stop the word of God. So what's his first line of attack? Well, Cain and Abel are born. Cain is of that wicked one. 
So the serpent knows, well, he's my guy. So Abel could be the potential seed of the woman that would kill me. Yeah. So he has his brother kill him, right? But that's not the seed. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, men begin to populate on the face of the earth. And which guy is it going to be? He doesn't know. At least they're breeding like rabbits. What yeah. do they do here? Yeah. So down come the angels. Genesis yeah. 6. All right. Let's do the go to Genesis 6, verse 1. And now we can begin to understand what was the what was the mentality, what was the thought process of these angels. Verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, fallen angels, Benai Elohim, mm-hmm. saw the daughters of men that they were fair, beautiful, and they took them wise of all which they chose. This should stop the mouth of everybody that wants to quote Jesus saying, uh, in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. They'll be as the angels. Okay. And they'll say, angels can't procreate. Angel can't procreate. They can. Fallen angels lusted after women. Yeah. They saw they were fair. If you can't see that in the passage, then you're just blind to the truth. And I'm trying to encourage you to reconsider this thing about the Seth lineage and the and the Cain lineage and all that stuff. It's, it's not true. But anyway, that's not what this message is about. So they took them wives of all which they chose. They didn't kidnap them and rape them. They took them wives, meaning they married them. Means they had a relationship. They had a relationship. Yeah. There was some, uh, that's a contract. You know, mm-hmm. who gives this one in marriage? Her mother and I. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a contract. So I believe, and Ryan Peterson in his book, The, the Nephilim, uh, Judgment of the Nephilim, makes an excellent point that when the angels came down, they said, hey, let's make a bargain. You give us your sisters and daughters to wife. We mm-hmm. give you technology. Yeah. We give you knowledge, secret knowledge, the occult, right? So uh, that's what happened. They were willing participants, right? And then, verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. I believe that's a reference to how long it would be before the flood came. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which are of old, men of renown. Now, these aren't the dinosaurs. These are giants. Yeah. They're hybrid human angel offspring. But verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Why did man become so wicked? The influence of the Nephilim, of Hmm. the angels and their hybrid offspring. Do you think, so I want to ask you a question about this. Um, At the beginning of verse 4, it says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And of course, I'm reading the Eastern, (coughs) the other version of the Bible, right? The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children of them. These were the mighty men of old, right? When I read that verse, it's saying to me, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Mm -hmm. And and also afterward, when the sons of, of God came into the daughters of men, right? And then they had children who were mighty men. So... Could it possibly be that these Nephilim here that were on the earth already were dinosaurs? No, I I think the grammar there is a little confusing. And what what it's trying to say is like this. Verse 4, if we read it, and I'm going to break down the independent clauses. Okay. There were giants in the earth in those days. Okay. All right. Then there's a semicolon there in my Bible. Okay. Followed by... 
And also after that, comma, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, comma, mm -hmm. and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. He's not saying there was a time when the giants came in, the, the angels came in and took wives, and also later another time. Okay. He's saying when they did this, after they did this, they became mighty men. Gotcha. They became rulers, you know. Uh -huh. That's really what the grammar is saying to us. Yeah, okay. So I can see it's, that. It's, I understood it the other way for the longest time, trying to figure out when did they do this again. Yeah. There was only one incursion. A lot of people think that there was a second incursion that came through Mount Hermon, and they follow that through with the, uh, <clears throat> the writings of the Book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. And I do think there's something very historically significant in the Book of Enoch, but I don't believe it's indicating a second incursion of angels. Okay. I believe, uh, I, I am much more in agreement with Ryan Peterson, who believes that there wasn't a second incursion of Nephilim. There was some DNA of angels that slipped through the ark through the wife of Ham. Yeah. And the offspring eventually became the Canaanites, which were the Rephaim, not Nephilim. Now, is, is, is that that's almost where the Rephaim is different from the from the Nephilim because the Rephaim is the continued mixture of the human DNA with the with the Nephilim. So you, yeah. instead of having 50-foot-tall giants, now you've got Goliath who's 10 feet tall. I agree. Tall, I right? think they were much smaller and yeah. lesser entities than the original Nephilim. And if that carried on for generations upon generations to possibly to today, yeah. you could have Rephaim on earth today that look just like normal human beings. Which is why we're going to have another guest on the show soon as we can get his schedule worked out, a friend of mine named Brad Davis, mm -hmm. who's got some Bigfoot stories to share yeah, with us. Okay. And I think the Bigfoot could very well be one version of degenerating Raphael DNA. Uh -huh. And also, uh, I would argue that a person could be demon controlled and they're, they're a host for Nephilim. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and, and most of those are what we call congressmen. Yeah. I was going to say, aren't they politicians? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or cabinet members. Now in verse six, it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing in the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now I get that man is wicked and the human DNA is corrupted. Mm -hmm. But why the beasts? What did the innocent little bunnies and birds do? Well, we would have to assume that if the angels corrupted human DNA, they were corrupting other animals as sure. well, which is why only two of every kind of animal was saved when they are, which I'm sure God divinely brought the, the pure bloodline types and kinds to Noah. Not mm -hmm. every animal, just two of every kind, male and female. And if you look down in chapter uh, 6, verse 11, we read, the, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Yeah. So here's the thing. That which shall be has been before. Couldn't Satan's M.O. have been to corrupt God's creation before yeah. he even made man? What if God made animals on this earth that were normal animals as far as we can understand, but Satan corrupted them genetically and brought death and destruction and predators and prey? Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. the dinosaurs 
are the result of angel genetic manipulation, just as they're doing now through alien abductions with human DNA. Mm-hmm. They were experimenting with, and perhaps maybe there is something to the reptilian idea yeah. of there's a type of humanoid type beings that might even be, you know, reptile based entities that Lucifer and his angels messed around with. So when we fast forward to the time of Adam, we, we have to see a couple of things about when God basically renovated the earth, you know, after that flood of Genesis 1 verse 2, without form and void, we see that um, God creates man, he creates the animal kingdom as we understand it today, mm-hmm. and incidentally, they didn't eat each other. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, we read, um, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. And it's interesting to note that he didn't, it doesn't imply that he made them, like created them fresh. It's like they were already there in the earth, and he just brought them forth. Could they have been seeds that were latent from the previous creation? And he brought forth yeah. certain types after that flood. Yeah. You know, so we, we can make arguments about brought forth and verses made. Like in verse 16 of chapter one, he says, And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So that would be the visible moon and sun and planets mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that that yeah. we see now. He made them. Uh, did he create them or did he bring them forth? You know, it says he made them. Um, he said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature in Genesis 1 verse 20. So could it be there were fish and things like that that were already in the water that he brought forth? Or did he create them? Because it says in verse 21, um, and God created great whales and every living creature that moved. So I think he created them and brought them forth. But I think there's an argument that can be made that some of this was already there. And he brought it forth. Yeah. You know. But then when he makes the beasts of the earth after his kind, it looks like he started with another group of animals. Okay. Because maybe the prior group of animals in the Jurassic and Cretaceous and whatever mm-hmm. were corrupt. Yeah. They were their gen, their genetics were not the way God created them. They became messed up. So here's some thoughts. Were the seeds for plants already in the earth from before and did not need to be recreated? And if Moses mentioned great whales, as and we talked about strong angels, mighty angels, yeah, as a yeah. remarkable characteristic, an adjective. Great whales. Well, why not large dinosaurs, which were equally remarkable, both on the land and in sea? You know, he doesn't mention those. He just says great whales. Mm-hmm. Now, whales are biggest creatures that ever lived. That's true. But still, you know, if you were walking along in a patasaurus, you know, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's something to say. And then why was man given dominion? of the earth if there had been no need or such a thing in the past. <clears throat> you know, there was nothing on the earth before. Why? What kind of a dominion? What am I ruling over? A bunch of plants? Yeah. You know, a bunch of lions and lambs laying down with each other? So to, to kind of wrap this up, let's go to Romans 5. If you hear whining on this audio, it's my dog wanting to go out. But it's too bad. He's stuck with us. <laughs> he can wait. He can wait. 
Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, young earth creationists want to argue that there was no death prior to Adam. But no, it doesn't say death didn't exist in the universe or in the creation. It entered into the world, Mm -hmm. the current world in which we live through man, and death passed upon man. It doesn't mean there was no death or destruction prior to man, which clearly the fossil record shows. Now, they would argue that all the fossil record was created instantaneously in the flood of Noah. Yeah. But that would imply that all the dinosaurs and even the early mammals like megatherium and woolly mammoths and giant sloths and cave bears also existed with man. Saber-toothed yeah. cats, come on. I mean, now, unless all of those only ate plants, and why do you create a saber-toothed tiger if he's only going to eat but plants? But wouldn't, wouldn't the argument be that um, you had some creatures like these, right? And then they were the ones that came out that were the ones that became carnivores, right? Tri- right. Uh, Tyrannosaurus, right? Sure. Were the genetically altered form of another dinosaur that was already there at when the fallen angels came down and messed with the DNA? Is that not a possibility? Yeah. I I mean, I think that's one argument some people make. Yeah. So I'm just trying to throw it out there because I think a lot of listeners probably are maybe thinking that in their mind. Well, I'm thinking that the angels altered the the DNA of the original animals that were in the first creation millions of years ago. And Uh thus the dinosaurs resulted. The animals that we know today, I don't know if like, for example, in the, in the kingdom, millennial kingdom, and I mentioned the passage, the lamb will lay down with the lion, the, mm-hmm. the, the bear will feed with the ox, a child shall play on the hole of an asp, and on and on. There'll be no harm in, in that kingdom, so they'll go back, they'll revert to the way it was. Mm-hmm. So God could have designed them knowing that man was going to sin, and then ultimately the corruption of sin would bring forth predators and prey and death. Uh-huh. But uh, and and he, and he might have it. I don't think he designed the original creation for that. Yeah, you know, I think he designed it to be a perfect, beautiful world, and the angels messed that up. Yeah, the fallen angels. And the reason I say that is because if we go back to Genesis one verse twenty nine, and we read uh, right after God made man, and we won't get into the whole thing about man because we're, we're talking about dinosaurs. But in verse 21, God twenty nine rather, God said, "Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed." which is upon the face of the, all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and meat is an old word for food. Yeah. But watch verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb or meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So there's no death, there's no destruction, there's no predators. Mm-hmm. But the fossil record shows conflicts between dinosaurs fighting and you know the the contents, uh, you know, torn flesh off of yeah. bodies and things like that. So um, you know, why would they be fighting if they're just eating hay or herbs of the field? You know. So I don't hmm, know. That's that, interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I can say that the dinosaurs would have lived in the time of Noah. Yeah as some young earth creationists think. I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility, and there could have been some, but it seems to me that we're talking about something that predates man by millions of years, and that the death and the destruction came as a result of that. So neither man nor animals eat meat. Death is not yet a part of the world under the dominion of man. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come until man sins. The one exception, and I'll close with this, 
because we've given our listeners a lot to think about and to consider. But there's one reference in the book of Job to an animal that we don't know whether this is a dinosaur or not. But And it's possible that it was a dinosaur that did live contiguous with man. I don't know if Job was written prior to the time, uh, lived in the, before the time of the flood of Noah. I don't think he did. Uh, I think he lived after that. But Job chapter 40 mentions a very interesting animal in verse 15. It says, Behold now behemoth. What does your version have for that? Behemoth? It says behemoth. Behemoth. Which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. So whatever this animal was, he was made with man. You know, Lo now, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moveth his tail like a cedar. (laughs) That's a big tail. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. And I think he's referring to, you know, his male parts. Mm -hmm. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make him his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food where all the beasts of the field play. He lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook come past him about and surround him. Behold, he drinketh up a river mm-hmm. and hasteth not. He trusteth that he can drop Jordan into his mouth. He taketh it with his eyes, his nose pierceth through snares. Now that looks for all the world like maybe a large plant-eating dinosaur. It could be, mm-hmm. or it could be something completely different. One thing I, I am sure of is it's probably a type of something else because the Bible does that, you know. So the first verse, verse 15 says, Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you. But that doesn't mean he made at the same time. Well, in the King James, it says, which I made with thee. With thee, yeah. okay. So, and, and I take that to mean, let me go to go back to so that. So he made behemoth, whatever behemoth is, at the yeah. time. Behold now behemoth, man. which I made with thee. Uh-huh. And the, it, it either means to dwell with you, Job, man, on the earth, or uh-huh. at the time I made man. Because in the six days of renovation, I'll call it, God made the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom mm-hmm. and then man. So I would imply that he's saying, I made him along with you. Yeah. Yeah. The time doesn't have to mean at the exact moment, you know. Mm -hmm. I would think it was within that period of creative works, you know. But it's just an interesting thought that, you know, like since I made the statement, I believe the dinosaurs would have lived millions of years before man. That's the one possible exception if it's a dinosaur. And we don't know that it is. It could be a mammal. It could be a large extinct cryptid animal that no longer exists. Sure. That could might not necessarily be a reptile. Sure sounds like a dinosaur, though. Yes, it does to <laughs> sounds me. like a brontosaurus to it me. It does to me, too. That's what I thought of when I first read it. And, of course, it doesn't help that the word behemoth starts with a B, too. <laughs> a brontosaurus. But anyway, those are my thoughts about dinosaurs, John. Yeah, very interesting. And we could obviously dig far deeper into this, and maybe at some point we'll find a guest that we can bring on that's an expert in some area of paleontology, like um, like a young earth creationist, like a Ken Ham. Yeah. Or somebody like that, if Kim Ham's still alive. It would be cool to bring in someone who's really dedicated years and years yeah. of research, not only just research in, in science, but also years and years of research in the Bible and see what their thought is yeah. on something like that. It would be so, interesting to have that debate and discussion about yeah. whether or not it really, uh, they dwelt with men mm-hmm. in the time before Noah, or if, you know, um, the evidence seems to point to the way I'm thinking that yeah. it's it's a it's a much older fossil record showing death and destruction and chaos. That would mean we're we're back to this rebellious faction of angels in the in the ancient past. Yeah, 
and uh, it really opens your eyes to think about it. But anyway, I thank you again for being here today, John. I thank you for listening. We appreciate your support and uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.